This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. So my name's Ruben, and uh, what we're going to do this morning is the last part of our Romans 8 uh, series. And it's great because you've heard most of it this morning um, in various contributions and songs. Uh, most of the passages that we're going to read and be based on, uh, we've, we've actually been part of. And it's been uh, fantastic, actually, to, to feel God already working amongst us this morning. Um, <clears throat> so this series uh, title all the way through has been God is for us. Um, and it's taken from the verse that we're actually looking at this morning, verse 31 in Romans 8. So if you've got a Bible or a phone, you might want to just start uh, racking that up. Uh, Romans 8, verse 31. And the, so the whole series title has been God is for us. And rather cheekily, on this kind of last session, I've titled my talk here, Is God Really For Us? Is God Really For Me? Because it's such an important truth for us to get. Is God actually for us? And uh, I really believe, actually, through um, the worship, um, uh, God wants to chisel truths into our hearts this morning, off the back of Emma's word there. Just to recap that, you've got um, this Facebook picture of chiseled negative phrases and sand-drawn positive phrases. And actually, I kind of believe God wants to turn that around. God wants to chisel in the truths of Romans 8. I believe he's been doing that, actually, over the whole series as we've been enjoying it. And this is kind of a found, this is rekindling our foundations, okay? So these kind of two aims this morning that we would be convinced, absolutely convinced, that God is for us. That's the first aim, as God chisels these truths in. And then the second aim, second aim, is that we would have joy again. Don't you feel like, um, like your joy has been robbed through this? I had a really good first lockdown. Um, the second one hasn't been great, to be honest. I feel I've lost my joy in the gospel. And I believe God wants to rekindle the joy of the gospel through um, these truths of Romans 8. Okay? So, um, and we can actually look at that phrase, is God really for us, or, or God is, is for us, and actually say, um, that, I, I really want that to be true. Even if you're not really a Christian um, that, uh, here today, you, um, I've, I've, I feel like as I chat to people, we all desire to have this higher power that is kind of outside of us, like a guardian angel watching over us, or um, uh, when we hit exams, like these guys um, are, um, when we have um, interviews, when we have um, career change, when we hit sickness, on illness with loved ones, even when tragedy occurs, or even when the plane starts to judder as you're circling the, uh, the landing uh, runway, actually many of us, even if we, we wouldn't say we're God people, we wouldn't say that we're Christians particularly, but actually many of us will say, I, I, will, I would pray in those moments. It's like I would love that to be true, that there's something for me out there. 
And uh, maybe it's God, maybe it's, maybe this is the other thing I hear um, quite a lot. Everything happens for a reason. That there's a kind of fate um, out there. And, and, and uh, you know, even though these bad things have happened, um, you know, this job didn't happen or this, um, this uh, relationship didn't happen, everything happens for a, re- for a reason. That I want to believe that there's something out there pulling it all together. I want to believe that maybe God is for me. But actually, as we look into our current situations, whether it's the global pandemic or even our, or our personal situations of our jobs, our family circumstances, so, so many times I've heard recently the life you, you never expected kind of phrase. And I wonder what that is for you, the life you didn't expect. And as we look through the lens of our circumstances, we can think, I, I really want this to be true, God for me, but actually this whole year has kind of caused me to doubt, or this particular personal circumstance has caused me to doubt and say, actually, is God really for me? I can't see it at times. And I believe this, Romans 8, once again, God wants to chisel in these truths. If we look, as we look through the lens of circumstances, I believe God wants us again to see through the lens of God's word and just to land those things in our hearts this morning. And so the very first verse of uh, Romans 8, you should, hopefully you've found that by now, says, uh, says this, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so right at the start of this last part of the chapter, we have a referring back to these things, all right? What should we say to these things? Now, many theologians think that these things kind of relate back to the rest of the chapter, which is what we've been looking at over the last five or six weeks. But again, they also say this probably refers back to the whole of the letter. Now, this book was written to Christians who were being persecuted, so going through this particularly hard time. And it's a book that is written to a church Paul probably didn't actually go to. So many other of the churches, on the letters that he writes of Galatians and, um, and Ephesians and uh, Corinthians, are written to churches solving problems. Whereas this book of Romans is so good because actually it's a bit of a blank canvas, so Paul can kind of just go for the gospel. So these things basically can refer to this gospel book of Romans, and I would really commend it to us. And it's, um, some people call uh, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is like the, the gospel or the truths, that truth that sings, okay? It's like this beautiful kind of um, uh, like symphony of doctrine, doctrine set to music, uh, an- another theologian called it. Whereas Romans isn't really that. It's like this logical progression, okay? A road map, if you will, 
okay, a roadmap to salvation. Now, I don't know what you would feel when I introduce that word roadmap, um, and, and does it enter to logical progression at all um, in, in your mind? But we're actually very familiar with how this thing was supposed to develop, okay? 29th of March, 17th of May, hopefully 21st of June. This kind of logical progression that we've been living with is actually, that's how Romans kind of works. It's not quite like some of the other books of the Bible, that Zechariah um, book that we were looking at earlier in the year with its flying scrolls and women in baskets and all that stuff. This is not so much that. It's a letter with a logical progression. And it's brilliant because it just builds fact upon fact. So Martin Lloyd-Jones, the preacher from the 60s, says, the way he advances argument on argument, piling one on top of another, is astonishing and constitutes the supreme example of inspired logic. Okay, if, you, if that doesn't quite float your boat, if you're more of a creative, okay, get into your Zacharias again, or even Ephesians, doctrine set to music, this is inspired logic in the book of Romans. And you can see it in Romans 1. God, um, his eternal power, divine nature are clearly seen. And actually, we've got a God is, want, God is for us. He, he, God so loved the world, God is showing his, himself to be seen in Romans 1, it says. And, um, and actually, he wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be for you, but... No, Romans 3 says he can't be because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we find by the wrong stuff we've done, actually we really want God to be for us. God wants to be for us, but actually he can't be because of this, because of the sin that is within us. Our sin means he is not for us in that state that he can't be true to his character and his holiness and, and be with us as well. So we've got this terrible situation, actually, that, mo- that we're born into. We are enemies of God. We can't help but sin, and we are at war with God. And then we've got the biggest of biggest but yeses in this part where God says, in Romans 4, we have, we t- it talks about a righteousness that is not of our own. It's a righteousness that comes from God himself. And so by Romans 5, we get, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. Okay, so we want, God wants to be with us. We want to be with him. We can't. Romans 3, we've sinned, but we can We can be with him because of Jesus' righteousness. We sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So guess what this morning? God is for you. If you've taken Jesus as your savior, if you've said, I've got no righteousness of my own, I'll take Jesus' righteousness, then God looks on you and sees him. And so now God is for you. Be convinced of it. Let God etch that truth into your stony heart, into that slab of that rock. God wants to etch that truth 
that he is for you. Just take that in. As Greg said earlier, the immortal, invisible, holy God is for you. So different, so far, so beyond, yet has come close. And this passage of Romans 8 is um, genuinely agreed to be one of the sublimest portions of Scripture. It is, Douglas Moo says, uh, uh, another commentator, he says this, um, uh, from virtually the first verse of the letter, um, Paul has been talking about these kind of blessings, and this paragraph we're about to read is the climax of the letter up to this point, okay? Man, if there's ever a chapter, a paragraph to learn by heart, this is it. This is the climax. This is the climax of our series. This is the climax of the book so far of Romans chapter 8. So if you do have a Bible, uh, please turn to Romans chapter 8. And let's read and let God just put these truths into our hearts. Verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So we've got this, these rhetorical questions that Paul uh, uses through this. And I'm just going to um, make a few points off the back of each one. Um, and e- so each question that's asked, I'm going to answer it with a no. All right. So these are the no's of Romans 8. Not, not like no's, but the N-O's of Romans 8. So the first one is no expense spared. God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. So how will he not also graciously Give us all things. One of the, another commentator, Matthew Henry, says, when he di- was to undertake our salvation, the father was willing to part with him. He didn't think him too precious a gift to give for our salvation. God the father gives his son. And again, a Martin Lloyd-Jones quote, that he says, though we were dead in our trans, this is us, this is us in this middle state before we're Christian. We are dead in trespasses and sins, hateful and hating one another, polluted by sin, sinful in practice and living in trespasses and sins and under the wrath of God, hopeless and helpless. You think you're a little bit bad? That's our state. Helpless and hopeless, hateful and hating. The very God against whom we have sinned, the very God whom we offended, he himself provided the way of deliverance for us. If he's given his own son, how much, will he not also give you all things that you need. Now, not necessarily all things that we want, 
but actually all things that we need. And as we're going through, whatever circumstance is really difficult for you now, in the future, or in the past, God says, I will give you all you need to get through that. And use and taking this truth, realigning ourselves with the truth, rather than, as James said last week, focusing on what we do know, this is something that we do know, rather than the things we don't. As Emma brought that picture, God etching these things, chiseling these things into us, believing it, that God says, I will give you all things and provide for you. Let's go on to verse 33, the line of duty verse. Okay, verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So all the way through here, we've got kind of courtroom imagery. We've got words like on behalf of, hand over, justify, condemn, intercede, bring a charge against. It's that, that sort of imagine that courtroom type situation. This is there's a sort of passage that this is dealing with here. And um, in, uh, if you've watched Line of Duty, you, um, regularly you'll get that glass room kind of moment. Okay? If you haven't watched the series, just imagine a courtroom okay? and where, where a, a, an amount of evidence is being brought against a guilty party. And it's like we are sat there in that chair and the file has been prepared on us and the video file is in the computer ready to be played of all the wrong things you've done. Okay, what a, what, what a lovely image that is. Okay, it's pretty terrifying. And as you sit there in front of the judge, these things are rolled out. They bring this case against you on this particular date, you did this thing, here's a video of you doing that particular thing. And that is our state before God. Um, and in the book of Job, we get this phrase from Job where he's feeling that, he's feeling his sin before God and says, if only there was someone who could mediate between us, the judge and the guilty party. If only there was someone to lay his hand on both of us. And the glass door opens and there is the judge's son. There is Jesus ready and willing to take our file to take our video file, take them upon himself and say, if, if you're happy with this judge, I'm gonna take these things upon myself. These wrongdoings, these sins, I'll take them on you. Are you satisfied with that judge? Is that okay? And the judge said, yep, yep. Because Jesus is fully God and fully man, perfectly righteous and innocent. And he takes those things and then he leans his hand to us and said, are, are you satisfied with this deal? Oh, if you haven't come to Jesus, why would you not say yes? I'm gonna take that deal. So Jesus pays for our sins. And we're left with this verse, who, <clears throat> who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So God says, you are just as if you never sinned. You are justified. Next verse, verse um, 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised? 
who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So now, you, there is no condemnation. Jesus takes your punishment upon you, upon himself, Christ dies, and then Christ rises again. So as Christ rises again, he's interceding for us. He's saying to the judge, he's speaking on our behalf. He's speaking righteousness. And he's saying, this person is righteous. I'm speaking righteous. Righteousness over, over, the, over Reuben, okay? No longer the sins, but the righteousness of Jesus. And then the next rhetorical question, who shall separate us from the love of God. So all the way through history, um, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit are joined. They're there at the beginning, the creation of the world. They say, let us create heaven and earth. They're there at the end, the Lamb on the throne, Jesus, and the Holy God, and the Spirit working in it all. They are perfectly joined throughout all of history except for one moment, just for one moment. Have you ever been separated from loved ones at Christmas or holidays? Or maybe you've experienced a bit more of that permanent, where we often, that word often comes up, separation at the ending of a marriage. Separation, the pain of being apart, and obviously lots of times through the COVID, there's been this separation, those kind of images of um, uh, grandmas looking on through windows at babies and so on. The separation, the pain of being apart. And that moment when Jesus is separated is like no separation we'll ever know. And that he's in the Garden of Gethsemane And he says, Father, if there's any way this cup of suffering can be taken from me, let it be so. Is there any other way? And there's silence from heaven. There's no other way. This was the plan. And so Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. And he goes to the cross, and we have these phrases on the cross of far... um, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm thirsty. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And then one of the most remarkable phrases, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, he is separated from the Father so that you need never be separated from the love of God. Jesus is separated from the love of God so you can always be joined. And if he did that, won't he see it through? Why do you doubt him? Why do you doubt that God is for you if he gave his only son and was separated from him on your behalf? He was truly alone so you never need be alone. He was separated, so you never need be separated. And uh, we're just going to draw in and just um, just uh, kind of start, yeah, just 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 finishing really. 
And I, I just, just to reiterate, really, God wants, to, God wants us to be convinced of these things and to rekindle the joy of our salvation through these things. So again, Matthew Henry, the commentator, says um, that this, this sense of being sure, being convinced, is a full, strong, and affectionate persuasion that you're, re- you're persuaded in this way, in such a strong way, arising from the strength and the sweetness of divine love. And just to really talk about what what does it mean to know or to be convinced of something? I heard a, a kind of similar illustration to this a number of years ago, and I've lived with it for a long time. Apologies if you're not a football person. Um, there's lots of gardening illustrations kicking about at the moment, so uh, this is the, the football illustration. But hopefully you can apply this to any sport or any event um, that you've come across. What is it to know or to be convinced? So in um, uh, the 1st of May 2019, Liverpool played Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final. And it's played over two matches. Okay, match one is on a Wednesday night. It's played in Barcelona at the New Camp Stadium in Barcelona. Match two is played on the following Tuesday night, I think it was, in uh, Anfield. Okay, there's these two different games go on. So Liverpool face Barcelona in Barcelona at the New Camp, and, uh, and they're facing um, this team, and uh, Liverpool aren't playing well, missed several t- chances, and Barcelona win this game 3-0. All right. Um, two second half goals by Lionel Messi, including a 25-yard free kick, 600th goal of his career. They are on fire, this Barcelona team. Now, Liverpool have this three-goal deficit, which the week later, they're going to have to try and turn around. All right. They, um, going into that, that weekend, Liverpool have got a big game happening. Um, their manager says, we've got to just try or else fail in the most beautiful way. So they have this week of coping with all this disappointment. Now, John, uh, John Brown, one of the leaders here, he's, he's a Liverpool fan, and this is how it affects uh, the Liverpool fans. He said, after that New Camp night, I felt disappointed and hopeless, like many of these Liverpool fans. I wasn't sure if I wanted even to watch that second leg, as it felt like a waste of time, felt pointless. Um, it feels a, felt a bit like going through the motions. Now, the following Tuesday night, I'm up at the, the Hilltop Tap uh, pub, and I'm watching this game. And uh, just to quickly pot it, um, what happens, Liverpool um, end up uh, in, in, the, in what's been described as one of the greatest comebacks in Champions League history, Liverpool win 4-0. So over the two legs, it's 4-3 to Liverpool at Anfield. Now, uh, they, they've scored just an incredible game to watch unfold. Now, as I say, we're, we're watching, I'm watching this at the Hilltop Tap. John hasn't even bothered to, turn, to come because he's still at home. We're just texting him, you know, Liverpool scored a goal. They've scored two goals. It might be worth coming. So halfway through, um, John comes, and we're, we're watching this game. We're, um, we're watching it unfold, that second half. And believe me, the body language of us and many in the pub is tension. Excitement, hope, but we certainly didn't know how that match is going to roll out. 
there's not many crisps or peanuts being eaten in this time. Not much beer being drunk. It's all kind of pretty on edge and tense. Now, Liverpool win the game. Um, John falls to his knees, tears, etc. Um, ensue. And um, just to mention a little aside, he actually got a, 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 as a momentum, I love this detail, um, as a momentum, he got a cup of, uh, Terence, uh, of, of Trent Alexander-Arnold's uh, last goal or last corner that he took. So it actually had a beautiful momentum um, of this last goal. So it's clearly a big deal for Liverpool fans. Um, but actually, as we were watching it, as I say, there was a tension to it. Now, fast forward a few hours later, watching the highlights at home. I watched the highlights. I'm sure John watched the highlights many, many times. And at, at the start of the highlights program, they do the little recap, um, you know, the 3-0 to Barcelona. And you're watching Lionel Messi score his amazing goal and um, all of that unfolding. And you're seeing the Barcelona players rejoice. And they are over the moon, 3-0. And I'm sitting there, the crisps are all around now, the pizza, the drinks, and I'm going, oh, Barcelona players, you celebrate. Because this is your evening in the sun, make the most of the time. Because we know what's coming. We are sure, we are convinced, we know that Liverpool are gonna win this. And there's a relaxed body posture to this. Here's the point. We live between the new Camp Night and the Anfield Night in our lives at the moment. We experience the trials and defeats and the opposition and the darkness. And it feels like a 3-0 defeat that we'll never recover from. And some of these situations, whether they're in the past whether they're things you're going through now, or even things for the future, of job situations, sickness or singleness, turbulent marriage, lonely, mental health issues or addictions, the life you never expected of family circumstances, or the monster of death itself. I just can't see a way through this. And we may never know in this life why these things happen. But the most important thing to have happened has already happened to you. That he became separated so that you would never be separated from the love of God. How much more will he give you all things? He became fully alone so we never need be alone. And we might not understand it, we might not feel it, but it is logically argued here as true. And the question to us is, what should we say to these things? Are you gonna believe them? Or are you gonna believe the circumstances? Because there's a victory night coming that all of this imagery of, and football stuff is the merest of shadows in, merest of shadows for where every tear is wiped away, every pain ceases, and even death, the last monster, becomes the final moment of victory. Just entrance into another room where you see him face to face. So we live now through all these struggles and failures, 
And they are ups and downs as we watch those highlights programs. They're still exciting. You can still feel the ups and downs of them. But we need to know that in the end, we're on the winning team. As we hold these truths of Romans 8 in our hearts and be convinced of these things, then we can walk through those, these, these things. I just wonder if the band can come up here. <clears throat> we need to be sure and be convinced to speak it to ourselves, to read these passages to ourselves, to shout it in the darkness, to sing it to ourselves, to read it, and most of all, bring faith to these kinds of things. I'm going to sing um, just a, a song that has so, so much of the con- truth that we've been, that is in Romans 8, of before the throne of God above. And just as we do it, I'd love you just to land these truths in your heart. Let's just pray, shall we? God, we thank you for these most sublimest truths the theme of the Bible, the redemption of us. We pray, God, that you would just etch these things into our hearts now, that we would walk our weeks and days and months knowing and being convinced of these truths. Amen.